will you bow your heads with me in prayer as we invite our speaker for this morning. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you have a word on your heart for us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you are a God who is intimately acquainted with all of our ways, even our sorrows. You know everything. You are standing with us in everything we go through. Lord, I've asked you already to release an anointing in this place. I've asked you, Lord, to get through to our hearts. I've asked you to, to make us a church where people are healed, people are restored, people are reconciled, people are made, made right with God and made right with, with each other. I've asked you for a miraculous happening right here in 110001 in the heart of the city, which is the heart of this nation. Oh God, would you do a powerful work? Would you pound from here so the ripples of your blessing and your healing and your gospel go through the whole nation? I pray, Father, from this city, from this place, Lord, every state, every part of this country would be blessed. Start with us, O oh God. We make ourselves available. We are willing to pay any cost and we are willing to get out of the way so that Jesus may have all the glory. Now speak, Father God, because this is your word and give me the talent. Give me the talent. Give me the giftedness. Give me the ability to get out of the way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Fantastic. Part five already. And you know, the Daring Faith campaign or the Daring Faith series is actually a 10-part series. I've only taken five. And you can imagine what a blessing it is, all the others. You can always go online. Pastor Rick Warren is the author of this series. And his, his stuff is up there. It's online. You can go back to it. You can even listen to the originals and say, and get all the, the, the full one hour that he speaks for. You could do that. I have picked five, and today is the fifth one. And if God has blessed you, if God has spoken to you, if God has done a work in your life, if God has raised a, a testimony, raised a hallelujah in your heart, then there are two ways to share with the church. You can either go outside and there's a video camera and you can give us a 30 second to one minute testimony saying this is what God has done for me. This is why I'm, I'm, I'm thanking God. This is why I, I want to praise God. This is what I want to say on behalf of God. Just go out there and write a video or you could write it down i think even that's available outside just write it down and send it in to us so that the stories the testimonies that god is working in our hearts and i know he is will be out there let others know that god is at work in your heart all right so that's what this series has been all about moving our faith to the next level and today we want to bring the series to a close in today's finale Today I wanted to end with, again, the invaluable benefits of our faith in Christ. I don't think we remember the, the benefits we have because we have trusted Christ. And I want to give you the good news and I want to reassure you and I want to you know, lift you up and send you home encouraged that your faith in Christ has got you this. Your faith in Christ has, has, has rendered these benefits for you. Look at uh, your screens, look at Romans chapter 10 verse 9. That if I confess with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, with your mouth, with your heart, you believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, that he resurrected from the dead, he, there was a real resurrection and he's alive today. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. You will be saved. That verse, one verse right there, it counters religion. It counters philosophy. It counters any kind of self-improvement, self-help, self-sufficiency, self-reliance. It counters all of that. It says if you will confess with your mouth and if you will believe in your heart, just this fact, this truth about who Jesus is, you will be saved. God is the one who does the work. We are the ones who are saved. God is the one who does the work. We are the ones who saved. Religion says we do the work and God then saves us. Or we do the work and we save ourselves. Relationship with Christ says you trust in me and I'll carry you through. You trust in me and I'll pay your bill. You trust in me and I'll wipe you clean. You trust in me and I'll heal you. I will bring you out of darkness into light and you'll never be the same again. That's what Jesus does for you. And that's what your faith has gotten you. Simple faith. Simple faith. Just confessing with my mouth and believing in my heart. 
It seems simple, but it's a lot heavier than that, and you know it. Do you dare to believe? Do you dare to have faith? That's the most important question you will ever deal with in your life. Because your eternal destiny hangs in the balance of your faith. And you're not sitting here, I presume, you're not sitting here with those who are about to have faith or desiring to have faith. Maybe there's one or two of you. But for the most of you, you are here because you have already placed your faith in Christ. And by your faith, God has placed you in Christ. And you have now received a positional salvation, not by performance, but by being in Christ. And Christ has risen from the dead. So we rise from the dead. He has gone to heaven. So we are placed in a position in heaven. And he is coming back again. So we will see our true selves again. Colossians chapter 3. So all of this is what your faith has gotten you. Your faith has gotten you more than your fears has ever gotten you. Your faith has gotten you more than your feelings has ever gotten you. Your faith has rendered and guaranteed you more than anything else. And when you see what your faith gets you in, in place of the facts, the feelings and the fears in your life, you will invest in faith. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying here. You will invest in your faith. You'll go after faith. You'll build your faith simply because you know what is at store here. So do you dare to believe? Do you dare to believe? Today I want to take you through four basic benefits. I want you to run home happy, thankful that you are a person of faith. I want, to, I want you to be grateful for what God has given to you based on your faith, because of your faith. Write this down. Number one, everything I've ever done, <coughs> this is so beautiful. Everything I've ever done wrong is forgiven. Everything I've ever done wrong is forgiven. Isn't that just amazing? Everything I have ever done wrong is forgiven. The fact I remind people all the time, especially in counseling, is this. When did Jesus forgive all your sin? When did, he, when did he atone for all of your sin? When did he pay the bill for all of your sin? 2,021 years ago. When did you begin to sin? Some of you, 21 years ago. Everything you have ever done wrong was 2,000 years after Jesus paid for it. So there is nothing that is left uncovered. There is nothing that God has not taken into account. Since he knows all, sees all, and has paid all, you are completely and totally free. There is no record of your sin anywhere with Google or God. No one will be able to dig it up again and point a finger at you, either here on earth or in heaven. Nobody will ever be, know it or expose you because of the fear that you and I always have. We always live with this fear that one day I'm going to be exposed as this massive hypocrite or this massive fraud or this massive failure. We all carry those fears. We all do. But God has done with your sin what nothing else can do and that is take it to the grave and kill it and bury it there. Because of the atonement, learn that word, love that word. Atonement. My father used to break it up and say that's at one mint with God. Because of the atonement of the cross. The cross was a payment. The cross was a payment. The cross was payment in full. At the end of the, of the cross, six hours of hanging on the cross, after end of 24 hours of, of torture and of trial and of, of anxiety and of all the beating and the loss of blood, Jesus hung on the cross and he pulled every last breath to be able to declare. That's why it's so important for you to declare with your mouth. He declared you free and paid for. He screamed out one word in Greek. Tetelestai. Tetelestai. Paid in full. Jesus pulled every last bit of breath. Before he handed his spirit over to God. Before he died voluntarily. He pulled every last bit of breath. To let everybody know that you were paid for. That you were redeemed, that you were loved forever, that you will never ever face any encumbrance, any kind of hurdle to get into heaven. That nothing will stop you from being with the Father forever. Because that was the Father's will. You say, 2,000 years before he knew me, 
before he saw how cute I was, before he saw how bad I was, before he saw what I did, before he dealt with my attitudes, before he dealt with all my running and my rebellion, how could he go, and, go ahead and forgive me? Because he didn't do it for you. He did it for the Father. Because he loved the Father. Jesus loved the Father so much that he went and paid your bill no matter what it is and wrote a blank check with his life saying, whatever your will be done. Whatever your will be done. Jesus did the atonement. Even if there's no heaven, and there is, and even if there's no rewards, and there is, even if there's nothing else than just salvation, even just being forgiven is more than we could have ever asked for from the Lord Jesus, and you have been granted that and more. You've been granted that. Just a clear conscience. Just a clear conscience. Many believers don't have a clear conscience, but you have a clear conscience. I want to say that again. Many of you don't have a clear conscience, but you have a clear conscience. So that's how confused you are. You're somebody with a clear conscience who doesn't feel like they have a clear conscience. And you need to look into that. Not today, but you need to look into that. And this is what this message is about today. And I want us to get into the heart of it. Most people carry secret guilt. Most people carry secret regrets. Most people carry secret shame. But what has your faith gotten you? Complete payment. You have been completely covered. There is nothing that Jesus hasn't covered. There is no finger pointed against you. There is no one who will ever be able to pull up anything that says to God, on, God in heaven saying, he can't get into heaven. He's not worthy of heaven. He can't be in, in your presence forever. He can't be saved. Nobody. Here's what the Bible says. Acts chapter 10 says, all who believe, Underline that. All who believe in Jesus will be forgiven of their sins through Jesus' name. Through Jesus' name. Acts chapter uh, 10. Acts 4.12 is another great verse. There is no other name by which we can be saved. But all who believe in Jesus will be forgiven for their sins through Jesus' name. You see that? You see that? It's not about the sins. It's about the name. It's not about the sinner. It's about the Savior. It's not about children. It's about the Father. All who believe in Jesus will be forgiven of their sins. I want you to leave here beaming. I want you to be walking one foot above the ground. I want you to be thrilled. I want you to be strong. That there is no condemnation against you. There is nothing pointed against you. You are free. You are paid for. All your future sins are paid for. Everything you will ever do till your dying day is already covered. And there is nothing you could possibly think of and do even worse than you were planning to do and it not be covered. Because God has covered you completely. Pastor Jeremy, don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. They'll just go and live as they please. I'm going to tell you that. Because it's the truth. Romans chapter 3 says, we are made right with God. See, this is about a positional legal standing. Righteousness is not a performance track record. Righteousness is a legal standing. A right person is right with the law. A wicked person is wrong with the law. A right person doesn't have a, a, a criminal record. A wicked person has a criminal record. The moment you have a record, it doesn't matter what you've done or how much you've done, you are an unrighteous person because your track record, sorry, your, your position with the, with the law is at fault. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we all can be saved in the same way, no matter who we are or what we have done. My dear brothers and sisters, my dear friends, and those of you listening to me online, you may not even be listening today on the day I'm preaching. You may listen to me, be listening to me weeks or months later. Forgiveness is what your faith has gotten you. And forgiveness is not a joke. Forgiveness is so vital to your mental health. Relax, take a deep breath and listen carefully. Forgiveness is so vital to your mental health, to your emotional health and to your spiritual health. You can't really trust and openly love someone you have offended. Even if they forgive you, you just you can't even forgive yourself. You can't trust yourself. You can't move on. You can't accept yourself. 
whether it's God, whether it's a spouse, whether it's anybody else, our sin is our biggest enemy, not even everybody else's. You may sin against other people, but that sin remains more your own trip up. So you carry this guilt. You carry this self-condemnation. You carry this guilt. You know what people do with it? Some people dismiss faith altogether. They dismiss faith and God and all together. And that's a great way to deal with guilt. Just walk away from God. Walk away from church. Walk away from any kind of talk about forgiveness or about sin. Or just walk away from a world of morality. Walk into a world where you have concocted your own morality. And you are free from this, from this topic, from this theme, from this argument. Another set of people, they live in shame. They live in fear and they live in self-condemnation every day, all the time. Every day, all the time. Every time they look at themselves in the mirror, every time they see the faces of, of, and photographs of certain people, every time they think back to certain situations in their life, every time they think back to a certain place or a school or a situation or a, or a club or a, or a restaurant, they remember the wrongs that they have done and they live in shame, they live in fear, and they live in self-condemnation. And there's a third type of people. They live move and breathe in the airspace of God's grace. They live, move and breathe in the airspace of God's grace. They find the platform of God's grace and they jump onto it and they stand in the grace of God. They stand in the grace of, they understand that my salvation with God, my standing with God is not a performance salvation. It's a positional salvation. I'm saved because of where I am, not who I am. I'm, I'm saved because of whose I am and not what I've done. I'm saved and I will always be saved for the rest of eternity because of Jesus and not because of me. So ab kya shuru karna performance mein? Am I not going to start now? So I live and move and breathe in the airspace of God's amazing grace. Covenant life, covenant life. This church was formed on one verse. I have loved you with an everlasting love. With a long arm I have drawn you. And I told you on day one in church lane back in 2016, February 7th, I told you, I said, we are going to be a place of healing. We're going to be a place where people come in and feel and experience the love of God, the father. They're going to come back to the father and they're going to be one again with, and they're going to experience the air of God's grace. You come out of the thing and you get the, you, 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 you get that fresh air. I'm speaking to Delhiites. Those of you who have been used to Delhi air and you suddenly go to Masuri up in the mountains or Shimla or somewhere and suddenly you get, you take in that, that breath of cold, crisp, clean air and you forgot that oxygen existed. You didn't know that there could be air without pollutions or pollutants and you take in that deep breath and you're like, I want to live here. But then you come right back down here again. My brother and sister, I want you I want us, I want our church to live. I want us to be a testament and a testimony and lives and stories of people who know how to, we're struggling with sin in our daily life, but we're living in grace. We're struggling in sin in our daily life, but we're living in grace. None of you are righteous in your performance. All of you are righteous in your standing. All of you are sinners by nature. All of you are saints by calling. I want you to learn to live in the grace of God and not in self-condemnation or dismissal of faith, but in the airspace of God's amazing grace. Four steps. Firstly, you admit, you admit a sin that has come into your life, a pattern that's come into your life, a relationship that's come into your life. Then you move into confession and you say it out. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is against the will of God. This is not Christ-like. And then you share it with somebody and just say, I need to tell you that. I need to tell you that. This is called confession. And I'll talk about it in, a, in just a bit. <clears throat> then we use the word absolution. Absolution is not in the Bible, but it's a, it's a technical term. It means somebody absolves you of that guilt. Somebody pronounces absolution over you. Usually a priest does that, and we'll talk about that in just a bit. And then there's a reinstating, like Jesus said to Peter, now that you have returned, strengthen your brothers. Now that you have returned, strengthen your brothers. Feed my sheep. 
Jesus said. Jesus took a sinner like Peter and turned him around and made him one of the most powerful characters in the Bible. Forgiveness is a powerful, powerful healing agent or a deterrent to your mental health, your emotional health, or your spiritual health. If you don't experience forgiveness and you don't, you are not able to forgive others, you will be emotionally sick. You will be mentally sick and you will be spiritually sick. Look at what David did in Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is when he had just finished sinning with Bathsheba and he was wallowing in guilt. And then Psalm 51 is the emancipation where he has received the, 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 the forgiveness of God and he's declaring his thanks to God. Psalm 32 is this. He says, oh, what joy. Twice over he says, what joy. Underline it. Oh, what joy for those whose obedience, sorry, disobedience is forgiven. Oh, what joy. Joy comes from being. Joy is not, is not external, it's internal. Joy comes within. The, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy is what comes from God. Happiness is what comes from people. Joy is what comes from principle. Happiness is what comes from surroundings. Joy is on the inside and you have joy because everything is right with God. Peace, everybody's looking for peace. Peace is positional. Peace is you're at peace with God, at, at peace with yourself and at peace with people around you. A peaceful country is a country that is at peace with, with countries around it. Peace is not a, a, a sensation. It's not an after effect of a good meal. Peace is not something that you just, it's just, it's not a, just, you just feel it. Peace is a positional transaction. He says, oh, what joy of these whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. What a joy when you just deal with sin and you get it out of your life. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord. Sorry, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared guilt. Underline a box, cleared guilt. When God clears your guilt, you are on your way to healing. You're on your way to fixing your mind, fixing your, 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 your spirit, fixing your emotions. You cannot, cannot be happy, you cannot be functional, and you cannot be normal when you are carrying guilt. You cannot. He says, yes, what joy for those who record, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty, transparency. Then you get into the meat here in verse 3. He says, when I refused, aha, those years when I didn't want to deal with my guilt, I didn't want to deal with my, I, I wasn't willing to see it as my fault. I wasn't willing to acknowledge my part in this entire, it was, every, it was always everybody else's fault. It's her fault, it's his fault, their fault, mother's fault, father's fault, everybody else's fault but mine. Those years when I just refused to deal with my guilt, when I refused to confess my sin, those years my body wasted away, underline it. My body wasted away, it touched upon my physical well-being. I had ulcers, I had problems, stomach problems, I had mental focus problems, I had a foggy brain. I couldn't understand, I couldn't think, I couldn't deal with, I couldn't get sleep. With the less sleep, I got less deep sleep. With less deep sleep, less uh, home... Uh, everything gets worse. Everything in every area gets worse. And David is saying here, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Anybody want to say amen to that? Quietly. Day and night, there you go. Day and night, your hand of discipline. God was punishing me. God was disciplining me. God was uh, revo uh, uh, you know, rebuking me. Your hand of discipline was heavy on me. Something God allowed in my life. Some person God allowed in my life. Some sickness or some situation or some thing God allowed in my life. He was not answering prayer. He was not taking it away. He allowed it to stay in my life. What was that? It was the heavy hand of discipline on you. It was the heavy hand of discipline on him. He says, my strength evaporated. Underline that. My strength, look at the word he uses. He doesn't say leaked. He doesn't say disappeared. He says evaporated. It dried up. I just, I, I found myself without strength to be able to deal with people, deal with issues, deal with opposition, deal with cynicism, deal with criticism. I was great 20 years ago, but today I just don't have the strength to deal with it. Well, there you go. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, 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 verse 5. I confessed all my sins. 
to you. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I came clean. I, he doesn't say he went and told the whole world. This is between him and God. He didn't write a letter and re release it in Times of India. He just, this is between him and God. He says, I came clean. I confessed my rebellion to the Lord. What happened? Two last sentences. Come on, read it with me. And you forgave me. All, say it with me. All my guilt, nice and loud. All my guilt is gone. Have you ever been there? Do you want to get there? Do you want to get to a place where every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, is lived free? Free and light because you owe nobody any explanation and you owe nobody any apology. What a place to be. Many live without either, you know. The understanding of the power of Christ's forgiveness, they don't understand how it heals you mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And many live without the regular practice of confession. The regular practice of confession and cleansing. But you, my brothers and sisters, you, my friends, you have been given forgiveness and you have it. You have forgiveness. Why? Because you have trusted Jesus Christ. So he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You have been given that. You've been given a community. You've been given a community of priests so that you may be able to share your sin, your brokenness with one another. Not the whole church, but one or two people. But I don't trust them. You start trusting them because they need to trust you too. This is called the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. In our understanding, in our biblical convictions, we don't have priests who are sitting in a church to whom we go and confess. In our understanding of the biblical community of Jesus, we are all priests so we can go to each other. And a priest not only prays for you, but has the power and authority to declare absolution over you. Isn't that, is that not right? So which means God has given to each of you as a benefit to your faith, the ability to absolve your brothers and sisters in Christ, when they confess, to pray with them, confess your sins one to another, and I confess to you, and you pray over me, and you confess to me, and I pray over you, kam khatam. Right there, wherever you are, starting with husband and wife, starting with, with father and son, starting with family, starting with small groups, right there, we are able to share with one another and take care of business. Each day, each week since dealt with, dealt with, dealt with. Can I ask you a question, a very personal question? How often do you take the garbage out in your house? Just give you some time to think about that. I get very angry when my kura guy doesn't come. Because now I have two days of garbage. One time he didn't come for four days. I had to take all the kuda, put it into my boot, and I had to go to the kuda van and I had to put it there. Throw it over there. I don't like garbage staying more than one day. In fact, in my house, we freeze wet garbage. Filthy garbage, anything that's going to go sour, or, you know, anything that's going to start stinking, we freeze it. So we give him cool garbage. How often do you send your garbage out? Every day? How often do you confess? If you sin every day, you should confess every day. That's how health works. Where's the place for this to happen? Small groups. Are you in a small group? No, you're not. You're too busy for small group. Your job is too busy, makes you too busy for small group. Your distance of the house it makes you too busy for small group. You have 14 fantastic I am witness, I can write it down and give you. You have fantastic, this church has fantastic excuses of why they don't want to be in a small group. You are the best. Nobody rocks excuses like you do when it comes to small group. But God says, when you gather, confess your sin one to another, pray for one another, and you will be healed. So you'd rather be sick alone then be healed with a small group. You choose. Because our idea of small group, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. Bible study, Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. No, it's not. This, this is the magic of small group. This is what is supposed to happen. But when you don't even meet three weeks in a row, 
when you can't even meet three months in a row, when will you ever get to the point where you trust each other enough and you share life enough where you get to a place where you can actually open the word of God, speak your life out to one another, correct one another and absorb one another. When is that going to happen? Write down number two. This is what your faith gets you. I learned God's purposes for my life. The Bible says everything, absolutely everything got started in Christ and finds its work in Christ, finds its purpose in him. Everything, absolutely everything. So God has a purpose for your life. And I want you to write down three things. And I've changed so much of the sermon. And a lot of the sermon has my heart in it and my desires for our future as a church. So you will see verses that in your notes that don't even get mentioned. That's because I'm not going to mention it. And you're going to see verses on the screen that you need to quickly take down the, the reference and go back to it during the week. Calm down, center down, relax, and listen. God has a purpose for your life. And I learn God's purposes for my life by understanding him. This is, the, this is what my faith gets me. My faith gets me a clear job description for my life. My faith gets me a clear uh, a, 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 a prescription or a, or a description for my life. He says in uh, John chapter 15, verse 15 and 16, this is my life verse here, right here. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. He's using an analogy here. When you, when you have a slave, you just tell the slave what to do and your slave goes and does it. But when you have a friend, you bring that friend into your plans. You bring that friend into the secrets, into your, into your uh, future. And you, and you share that future with your friend. So he says, now you are my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Underline that. Lasting fruit. Why? So that the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. My brothers and sisters, your faith has granted you friendship with God. So God doesn't treat you like a slave, but he treats you like a friend. So his purpose for you is for you to bear fruit. His purpose for you is for you to be fruitful and productive in his work. Fruitful and productive in his work, in his kingdom. You are friends of God. The Bible says you are ambassadors for Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. That's what your faith got you. And God has given us this task. What task? Of reconciling people back to him. That's an ambassadorial task. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. See, that's the goal God has. And he gave, after he gave it to Christ, then he gave this to us. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal now today through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Are you with me? What are we talking about? God has a purpose for your life. God wants you to be fruitful and productive. Not because you chose him, but because he chose you. And he wants to bear fruit through your life. He wants to bear fruit through your life. The second purpose God has for you is that you will be a voice for him. You will be ambassadors for him. A missionary for him. God wants every single one. The church shouldn't be sending missionaries. The church is a group of missionaries. Each of you is a missionary. We are on mission for God. We are ambassadors. So we need to commit to, apply, and go after being a missionary. We need to commit to, apply, and go after being an ambassador. You don't become an ambassador because you won something in, the, in school. You become an ambassador because you head towards that goal and you work towards it with all your heart, with all your strength and with all your mind and you grow in that discipline until the government of India sends you as an ambassador to another country. This is not an overnight thing. This is something that you work towards. Missions is something that you work towards and God wants you, maybe some of you, to leave your jobs and go into missions. Listen very carefully this morning God wants every single one of you to be on mission for him he wants you to be a friend of God which means you're not a slave just do what you're told you're a friend which he shares his heart with and he shares fruit with the fruit of his work number two that he makes you his ambassador you go in his name you go in his name there are many vacancies for missionaries today 
many vacancies, hundreds and thousands of vacancies for missionaries today, waiting for you to decide to go into it. Can I mention some of the mission, some, some of the missions vacancies for you to decide today that you are going to go in that. Today, today the 10th of October, you will decide, God for you, everything for you, I'm going out. If I have to change my job, I'm going to do it. If I have to change my line of work, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to go into missions. Number one, the number one place where you could be, one of many, one you could be as a missionary, where there are vacancies for missions, is the IAS. Will you do your civil service exams? Will you work hard for it? Will you get into it? And will you become an IAS officer? Will you pass your IAS and get in and get selected and become an IAS officer and be a missionary for Christ? There's the IFS, the Indian Foreign Services. Would you dare to be a missionary and get into the IFS and go where the, the country sends you? Would you dare to be an IPS officer and get into the system and get into the protection of this country and those who are without protection, those who are undertrodden, those who are... There's mission, missionary vacancies in the IPS. There's missionary vacancies in the IAS. There's missionary vacancies in the IFS. There's missionary vacancies in BJP. There's missionary vacancies in the Congress and in the AAP party. Would you go into politics? God wants you to go into politics. God wants you to join a political party. And God wants you to shine and be an ambassador for him. God wants you to choose a career and choose a platform that has influence. God doesn't want you to be paid for your wages and go home and feel secure and call yourself a great Christian. Because you tithe mostly to the decimal. God wants you to be in places where it's tough, where it's hard, where it takes great faith and great strength of God to carry you and be a person of integrity and be a missionary there. There are vacancies in Indian politics for missions. There's vacancies in business. God wants you to go into business. God wants you to go into not join a corporate and get perks. He wants you to start SMEs, small and medium enterprises. He wants you to start businesses so that one business looks after your wife and children and another business looks after the kingdom of God and another business looks after the social welfare of the country. Run three businesses. God wants Christians to go into business. God wants Christians to understand how money works, how wealth works. God wants you to invest your, your money and make money and make money, make money. There are missions vacancies in business there's missions vacancies in law in the judiciary god wants you to decide to become a missionary and go into the law go into the judiciary go into the law discipline pass the bar exam get into the uh, 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 an agent agency and and work become a lawyer and work as an ambassador of christ god wants you to go into the media even republic channel even Republic Channel. Because you're supposed to be salt. And salt keeps from decay. And what the world needs, what media needs today, is truth tellers. Not whistleblowers, but truth tellers. And God has given you the wherewithal, he's given you the backup, he's given you the background, he's given you the education, he's given you the money, he's given you the loans he's given you absolutely everything and he's given you a church that believes you need to go into IS there are vac missions vacancies in all of these areas and I'm not asking you to go into church ministry don't go into church ministry don't go into full-time church ministry and your orthodox conventional way of thinking what missions is forget that forget it forget it we're not going to support you anyway we don't support any missionaries in this church you know why because our missionaries all have jobs. Our missionaries all have jobs. And all of ours are missionaries. It's just that they're in, some of them are in pathetic jobs that have no influence. And all the strength from above is required just to cope with one week of work. Come on! Ambassadors for Christ. So we are priests 
to people. We're friends of God, we're ambassadors of Christ, and we're priests to people. He says, but you are not like that, for you are chosen people, you are a royal priest, or a holy nation, God's very own possession, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. My dear brothers and sisters, God has a purpose for your gifts, he has a purpose for your personality, for your pain, for your problems, and God wants to use you in all of that you have to help people grow, to help people understand their position, to help people understand their healing that is in the Lord Jesus. Write down number three, and I'm going to move very fast now, so you need to keep up with pace, because I really wanted to pour out one and two to you, that was my heart, but I want to leave these one, three and four with you as well. I get God's strength for my daily living. I get God's strength for my daily living. It makes me sick to the stomach that we think of the resurrection power of God available to us to cope with our daily life. We think of the resurrection power of God. God raised Christ from the dead. He gives us that power and we're just trying to get through the day. If you're just trying to get through the day, you're in the wrong job with the wrong people. You need to rethink your whole life. You need to rethink what your life's about. You, you, you're in the wrong purposes, wrong job, wrong everything. You need to rethink your life. My brother and sister, God wants you to draw daily power from him to do his work. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth has its name, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, underline, grant you, highlight, grant you to be strengthened with power. Where? Through, the, through his spirit. Where? In your inner man. In your inner being, the strength is not given to you on a daily basis for you to get through the day. Your strength is given for you to be, for your inner man, that is your spiritual identity, to be strengthened, to be, to do, to have what God has given you. Through faith, through faith, so that Christ, Christ may dwell with you through faith. God wants you to have strength. So that when Jesus lives in you, Jesus does through you what only Jesus can do. A daily surrender results in a daily empowering. A daily quiet time results in daily power. A daily download, a daily recharge results in daily power. You don't spend time with God. You want to rush through a verse. You want verses to pop out and hit you. You want inspiration instead of instruction. You want the you want you 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 just want the, to tick the box that you've been with God rather than actually be with God. And you want God to reveal Himself to you, to show you His wonderful ways, to show you His wisdom, to take you to great heights of glory, to give you impetus, to give you success, to give you glory in the things you do. You want everything you do, everything you touch to be blessed by God when you can't take five minutes of your so-called busy life to just shut up and be quiet in his presence and say, Lord, I've put off my phone. Talk to me. Talk to me. Until I hear from you, I'm not going to go. God's not going to play that game, that busyness game, that whole thing that you know, oh, you're so in demand, you know, that you don't have to, no, he's not going to play that game. Well, God of the universe, who holds the whole universe by the word of his mouth, says, come spend time with me, and you don't have the time. He's not going to play that game. He will wait. He will wait until you're 75 to get it. He will wait. He will wait. We get into the wrong relationships, we get into the wrong jobs, we get into the wrong uh, purposes in our life, we mess up everything, we're a mess now, we don't go back to Christ to fix that mess, and now we're just coping and we want God to give us his power to live that same mess out. Rather than saying, enough, take, go back to God and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Yes, I agree. Yeah, I agree. We have God's strength to cope with life's challenges, life's calamities, and life's contingencies. Yes, love, he loves you. He loves you. He's going to give you strength. He's going to carry you. All those verses are true. But we are also conduits of the very power of God. We are conduits of the power of God to build people, guide people, pray over people, counsel people, nurture people, disciple people, and lead people. You are awesome, powerful, missionary beings on earth. Angels don't have what you have. Angels don't have authorization that is in your hand. Angels don't have the name of Jesus under which you operate. Angels don't have heaven backing you up. Angels don't have the Holy Spirit living inside you. Angels do so much ministry and you have more than them. All this because you trust Jesus. Because you have faith in Christ. Oh, brother, my sister. 
His strength through you, not just for you. Write it down. His strength through you, not just for you. I get God's strength on a daily basis. Write down number four. Because you need I am guaranteed eternal life. I am guaranteed eternal life. Oh, I stayed up all night for this one. I love this. I am guaranteed. I'm talking to you about what you have because of your faith. Your faith has gotten you these benefits that are eternal, that are spiritual, that are heavenly. This is what God has given to you. John 3.16. Anybody know that verse? It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, thesesoever, whosoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. Should not perish but have everlasting life. John 10, 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will not perish but have everlasting life and no one can snatch them out of my hands. So your faith has gotten you eternal security. You are never going to go to hell. Now you're not listening to me. I'm almost done. You got to listen to me. I got to land this plane and it's in a troubled place. You are not going to go to hell because of your faith. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Because of the word he screamed out with his last breath. Because he went to the grave and defeated death and came out. Because he sent his spirit to be with you. Because he, he loved the father and he obeyed the father. And gave the father what he wants. You will never see hell. You are not going to hell. Not because of the fact that you are a sinner or not a sinner. We are all sinners. But you are not going to go to hell. You will never see hell. You will never go close to hell. You will never feel the heat of hell. We, we quickly pass over the perish part and we go into eternal life. But what is it, the opposite of eternal life? Eternal death. Eternal life is forever with God. Eternal life is forever away from God. The life source of that is God. God's joy, God's peace, God's patience. God, everything that God is, we will be in a dark, dark place where we will never Never see that. Then you take it one step further and talk to me about uh, Lucifer. Lucifer was an angel, one of the most powerful angels. And he was one of the angels that, that placed his wings, six wings. One over the, uh, over the Lord, the throne. One around and one beneath. He was one of the most beautiful seraphims in scripture, in the Bible, in the throne of God. And he, in his heart, thought one thought. He says, why should he be God? I will be God. And as I 14, he says, five I wills. He says, I will be like him, the most high God. I will, I will, I will. And he sought to be God instead of God. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be no other God other than him. He wanted to be an atheist. Because if you listen to an atheist very, very carefully... Very carefully, sooner or later, the tone of self-reliance borders on self-worship. And because of that one thought, not a track record, not all the things he has done in the past, because of that one thought, God opened the, the chute under him, the floor opened under him, and that guy fell. And he took one third of the angels. What did they do? I don't know. But here's where you got to get serious. One third of the angels and Lucifer himself fell to the earth in that one moment. Only because he thought he would rather be God than God. One thought of pride made him unfit for heaven. One thought of, of God wanting to be God of pride made him unfit for heaven. That means even one thought of pride makes you unfit for heaven. Which means none of us are fit for heaven. So God threw him out into utter darkness and prepared a place for him and for the one-third of angels, a place of torment where beings, living beings, who are outside of time, space and matter, beings who are powerful and outside of time, space and matter, could be kept, kept and tormented forever and ever and ever. That's hell. Is it good that there's a hell? Yes. Because God is angry and God hates sin. And there needs to be a place for those who go against the rebel and rebel against God. God hates fornication. God hates rape. God hates hurt. God hates when little girls, three-year-old girls are raped. There needs to be a hell. There needs to be a hell to show that God is a holy God and God is a just God. God is a loving God. How can God send anybody to hell? Easily. In one thought, Satan was dropped 
forever. And one day he's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. That was prepared for beings outside of time, space and matter. To torture them. There is a hell. You bet your bottom dollar there is a hell. As long as there is the wrath of God, there is a hell. As long as God is holy, there is a hell. And you will never see it. You will never see it. You will never go anywhere near it. And God has ensured that you never go near it. God has ensured that he keeps you out of it. Your faith got you eternal life. That means you will never die. You will never perish. But you will live forever and ever in the presence of the most high God. One thought of pride kicked him out of heaven. One thought of surrender on the part of Jesus Christ. One life got you and all of us into heaven. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Eternal life, you've got to talk about hell. You've got to understand that you're not going to hell. And you also got to understand that you will live in fellowship with God forever, regardless of your body. In a few years from now, maybe tomorrow, maybe in 50 years from now, not 50 years, make it, make it 38. My body, this body, and all of its, you know, weight loss program and everything is going to fall to the ground. It's going to fall to the ground. And somebody will bury me. I'm going to bury you, but somebody will bury me. Right? It will fall to the ground. And it will take me a few hours, a few days to be corrupted. That's, the, that's my body. That's it. But this being that I am, that was born in the moment of my conception, which is why abortion is wrong. That moment of conception when I was born, when I became a living being, I came into existence. In that moment, God created an eternal destiny for me to be with him. This decision, this decision that you will go to heaven or hell isn't made when you stand before God. Some religions teach that. When you stand before God, God will decide. No, God has already decided and he's given you the, the faith to decide. When you stand before God in judgment, there will be no judgment for the believer. Do you know that you as a believer, because you have faith in Jesus, will never stand in judgment before God? Did you know that? I can't see you smiling, but I hope you're smiling behind that huge mask of yours. Do you know that you will never stand before the angry God? You will never. Believers are exempt from the judgment. Because you have faith in Jesus, you will bypass the judgment. So there will be no talk of your sin, no mention of anything. There's a separate corridor for you to come right through. Follow me, Jesus says. The decision is already made. The decision is already made. And your name has been put in a list. It's been written in a book to ensure God is written in the book and that book is in heaven. So nobody, not even Google, can find it, disperse it, sell that information and undo it. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb is the Savior, the one who gave his life to write your name with his blood. Your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Revelation chapter 20 verse 15. And if anyone's name, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. He joins the ones that had pride in heaven. And you know what? Because of your faith in Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. It doesn't matter if your middle initial is missing. It doesn't matter if it didn't spell your name right. This is not HDFC. Your name is written in the book of life. My friends, you will never see hell. And you will never see God angry. You will never see hell and you will never see God angry because Jesus came down, Jesus went to the cross, Jesus faced and took care of hell, Jesus faced and took care of God's anger and he once and for all appeased the anger of God. Your faith got you that. That's how powerful, that's how precious your faith is to you and to God. So as I close, I want to challenge you. And I want you to listen. I know you're tired, but I don't care. I want you to listen. The blessing of salvation. The blessing of salvation. I want you to think about that. And I want you to live in gratitude about that. And I want you to think about how God will use us. Our faith in Christ 
listen as I close, resulted in Christ saving us. That's what our faith got us. We talked about the four benefits of faith today. So, two things. We must never forget what we have been saved from. That's the wrath of God. That's hell. But we also, also always remember what we have been saved for. What we have been saved from, but what we have been saved for. You were not saved for a lovely career, a beautiful wife, two cars, and a pension plan. That's not what Christ saved you for. That's not what he went to the cross for. You must remember what you've been saved for. You've been saved to be a friend of God. You've been saved to be an ambassador. You've been saved to be a priest. That is the purpose of your life and not your career. So what do we do? CL, covenant life, what do we do? Online, listen to me, what do we do? Personal and corporate, number one. We, in this daring faith challenge, dare God. We have the daring faith to ask God to make and prepare us to be healers. To be healers. I start with my own preparation. I start with my preparation to either be an ambassador for Christ wherever he calls me. To go into that career wherever he calls me. I prepare in my heart to deal with my nonsense in my life. Deal with my hurts, my past, my pain. Get the help I am. Join a small group. Use the correct material. Start getting healed. Get rid of all that gunk in your life. Allow for forgiveness to work through you. Forgive the people who have hurt you. Take the forgiveness of Father. Live in the airspace of God's grace. And begin and prepare yourself to be a healer. Because God is going to bring people through you. God is going to bring people into this church through you. God is going to help you find people who are struggling with anxiety. Struggling with fear. Struggling with depression. Struggling with mental health. And today is World Mental Health Day. God will use you as you prepare yourself to help listen and bring these people and we will have a ministry for them through you. Corporately, we ask God, we dare in our faith to ask God to resource and anoint our church, to resource and anoint our church to be a community of healing for many who are harassed and helpless. Delhi's got 28 million people and many of them are stressed out. Many of them are tired. Many of them are hurting. Many of you are so tired from one hour of preaching. They are tired from years and years of abuse, of neglect, of no love, no acceptance, no approval. Everywhere they go, whether you're watching TV or you're watching real life, people don't win anywhere. Feel sorry for them. Have empathy. Jesus says, lift up your eyes and see. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. They are like sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless. He wants you to join with him and say, oh God, make us a church. Make us a church that's a healing place. Provide counselors to us, oh God. Provide small group leaders who are prepared, who know how to deal with their own nonsense and help others deal with theirs. Who have con Give us a church with confidants. Give us a church with friends, with disciples, who will walk people through their healing to make this church a place of healing. Come on. We want to be like Ames, but better. Imagine a church like a hospital where the patients come in two ways, either through OPD or they come into the ER. Either they come in with emergency needs or they just come into the OPD looking for general treatment. And either way they come in, they come in as patients. And then they are healed. And the same patients become nurses and doctors and lab technicians and hopefully not anesthetists. The same ones become that. Sometimes God will bring doctors and nurses directly to this church. But for the most part, there will be patients who were patients but now have become nurses and doctors. Are you with me? Do you get this? Do you care enough to not care about your tiredness and your day's plans and just listen to what God wants us to be and to do? My brother and sister, we have got to be more than a church that meets on Sunday morning in the privacy of four walls, sings our songs backwards, and goes home feeling good about ourselves. We have to be different. Otherwise, there's no point. We should just shut shop. And if you're with me, get on board. Just declare to God today that he is going to use you, prepare you, help you work through your nonsense, join a small group, go through the material that we're going to offer to you in the next few weeks, and cleanse yourself out. Heal yourself and then get ready to be offered, to be used for the healing of many others. As a church, we ask God. 
or God use us. Set up a mental health ministry in our church. Allow us to be a model church that knows how to heal people and how to help people walk through their pain. Please take a moment, bow your heads. I know you're tired and I know I've gone very, very long. Let's just take a moment to, to say something to God. Something in this message would have resonated with you. Something you want to respond to God. You do that, please. Jeremy Dawson and if you liked what you just saw if it was a blessing then hit the subscribe button come on you can do it hit the subscribe button uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us lots of videos coming your way songs worship encouragement come on subscribe let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know write a comment in the section below but let's see you guys again come on subscribe